and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbolic imagery you find on the 22 major arcana of the tarot, and we hope you'll join us. You can find extra visuals, posts, and show notes at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And you may find that especially helpful if you need some more information about some of the stuff we talk about, like the Tree of Life or the Deccans or the Color Scales. While you're there, you can also sign up to support our work. And if you subscribe at the $3 level or above, you'll be entered in our giveaways, which will be starting next week already with the High Priestess episode. And we already have a very special prize in store for you. So, with no further ado, here is Fortune's Wheelhouse. Okay, we're going to talk about the magician now, number one, but the second card in the series of Major Arcana, uh, sometimes called the magician, sometimes called the magus. And we'll, why don't we start right there with uh, the differences in his name? Magus of Power. The Magus of Power. That's his hermetic title, right? The Magus of Power. You need a sound effect. I know, like, we do. E- like a echoes. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Magus of Power. <laughs> the Magus of Power. <laughs> we might as well get right into it and say that this is going to be all about Hermes and Mercury. Um, and the fact that he's um, a magician and a magus is, is complicated because originally, you know, the earliest, like in the Marseille tarot, you look at it and he's basically, a, you know, a street con, right? You know, he's got like... He's like the Where's guy. Where's the ball? Which <laughs> cup is the ball under? Exactly. Point you know, to the cup. So Mercury's a hustler too. So. He's a hustler too, and his he's he's got power with a big P and power with a small P. You know what I mean? I mean he's like so. I mean that's that's reflected in some of his original names. For example, he was uh, called the Juggler um, or Le Jongleur, uh, Le Battler, uh, the Mountebank. Oh, I I heard I, I saw these two. I forget where it was. I can't remember which reference I saw this in. Probably a Marseille one. But the Thimble Rigger, the Quarter Penny. You know, I mean, I think those are uh, trickster type terms. I like the words, you know, the magician and the magus, because it, you know, obviously makes you think of magic. Mm-hmm. And um, I like, always loved Crowley's definition of magic, you know, the science of causing change in conformity with will. Mm, yes, yes. And that's kind of what you see in both these cards, you know. You see him holding, well, in one card, he's holding the wand. He's got mm-hmm. the, that double wand of power. And mm-hmm. in the other the card, he is the wand. He is the wand. Right, right. And of course, you know, there's there's a longstanding tradition of thinking of Hermes or Mercury or Thoth, whichever you like, as the god of magic, because magic is... Uh, associated with writing. And writing, of course, is a gift of Mercury's to us. His best one, in my opinion. And this is really interesting to me because, you know, 
as tarot readers, we are engaged, whether we like it or not, in a form of magic. It is, um, I mean, divination enters the same space as magic does, though for different reasons and with different effects. So although there are many divinities associated with prophecy and magic, that's why Thrice Great Hermes is so central to all of those traditions. And uh, speaking of Thrice Great Hermes, there's the Emerald Tablet uh, yeah. connection. Um, the quote that every time I see this card, how can you not think of the as above, so below, and as below, so above? I think mm-hmm. the, the whole quote, in truth, certainly, and without doubt, whatever is below is like that which is above, and whatever is above is like that which is below to accomplish the miracles of one thing. There it is. There it is. And here in the Rider-Waite-Smith card, you can see the gesture, the as above, so below gesture. Right? Yeah, and again, he's, he's pointing at the path, but it's it's reversed because mm-hmm. it's from the perspective of you are the magician, that mm-hmm. view. You know, if you're looking at it head on, you're like, well, that's the wrong, he's pointing in the wrong direction, but it's, <laughs> it's the right direction if you're him. Yeah, which we'll, we should talk about when we get to the Kabbalah material, definitely. So um, as above, so below, the uh, motto that we see in magic and in astrology and in divination. I mean, it's partly that as above, as the stars move, so below, so so do our events roll out below. But also, I sort of think of it as as within, so without. So like when you go within yourself in magic to create change, then you have external effects that proceed from that. Yeah, I think of this card as directing manifestation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Through the will. Right, right. And you know, there's something about his posture that's like a lightning rod, you know, it's like, I'm just a channel. Definitely. You know, and the current goes through me and creates effects on the other end. Um, so let's see, we've we've talked about the fact that this is Hermes, Mercury, and let's, let's break down some of the imagery, particularly, I guess, in the Thoth deck, where he is explicitly the messenger god. Well, it's really interesting. One of the most interesting things about actually all of the elemental um, Thoth cards is that you see here he's he's Mercury, he's elemental Mercury, but his posture, his body is actually forming the glyph of Mercury. Yes. If you see that, uh, the, the, the snakes on his head being the, the curved horns coming out of the circular part, and then there's the cross of his arms, mm-hmm. and even his feet, the winged feet, Mm-hmm. Some some symbols of Mercury, you see a little arrow pointing at the bottom, and not all, but uh, alchemical mm. Mercury. Sometimes mm-hmm. you see that arrow, so you can kind of see it in the shape. I mean, if you have a little imagination, yes, you yes. See well, that. In, and also, um, yeah, you can totally see that. And also, if you uh, again sort of previewing the Kabbalah material, you can trace the glyph of Mercury onto the Tree of Life. Yes. Right of all Sephira, except for Kether, which except floats, for Kether, yeah, which floats above it mm-hmm. in that glyph, as it is wont to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Caduceus, yeah, yeah, um, Caduceus. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, he is the Caduceus. Mm-hmm. He's the wand and the mm-hmm. Caduceus. He is that uh, that channeling of the two forces, the positive and negative, um, meeting up at the crown there. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if now is a good time to mention the difference between the caduceus and the staff of Asclepius, which are always getting confused. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just mention it and leave it there. Basically, the staff of Asclepius is a single one snake, single one sink with one snake going round and round. Often seen on the hermit. Often seen on the hermit and. Uh, and and in medical with, with healing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas this is the caduceus of Mercury with the double snakes. Um, very important. Two snakes. Two snakes are better than one. <laughs> okay. So, um, so you want to say something about uh, the association of serpents uh, with Mercury? I have to think about it. Well, I mean, I sort of think I, I sort of think of it as being related to the serpents of the sun. You know, because Mercury is so yeah, close to the, the sun. Solar, there's the solar influence there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just I was looking at those serpents, and you can see in the um, Crowley's card there, there's a figure eight. Um, mm-hmm. The snakes form a vertical figure eight, they whereas do. over in the Rider Waite card, there's the lemniscate on the side there. Right, and um, the don't forget the Ouroboros belt, the right, snake biting its right. own tail on the Rider Waite. And mm-hmm. I always, when I see that infinity sign, I, mm-hmm. I always think of the solar analemma where, mm-hmm. you know, if you took a photograph of the horizon at the same time every day over a year's time, the picture would form into that figure eight shape. And that's how it was first associated with the concept of infinity because it happens over and over and over again mm-hmm, forever that's mm-hmm. probably one reason you know mercury's the fact that mercury is kind of like the the little buddy of the sun um <laughs> <laughs> mini me yeah exactly <laughs> so you, you always see solar references in, in these mercury cards. plus mercury is never more than one sign away from right the sun. 28 degrees in mm-hmm. astrology you'll never find mercury mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More than 28 degrees from the sun. Do you have Mercury and Sag? I do. Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. Eight of Wands, <laughs> Lord of Speed. And I've got Mercury and Virgo, um, exalted in the sign and an anoretic degree. So as you said, I've got, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I've got mine in the first degree or, or, well, it's kind of technically the second. It's number one. Mm-hmm. One Mercury. Mm-hmm. Sag, one Sag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and you have it in... The yeah. last degree of Virgo. That's <laughs> there you go. Cool. There you go. Yep. Another wheelhouse reference. Another wheelhouse reference, indeed. Uh, I always think that these winged, uh, those wings on over by his feet look like a maple seed. <laughs> yeah, they're very abstract. Yeah, and they are. I've never quite understood what the uh, surfboard like thing yes standing on his I, I mean I assume it's probably part of the um this whole picture that Lady Harris drew I've seen that pattern before I have a book on by Olive Witcher which is about pr- projective geometry Ooh, cool. and there's a certain pattern that um, it's ellipses and hyperbolas and that's this almost exact pattern is in her book really yeah mm-hmm. um don't ask me to explain it geometry <laughs> is not my favorite subject in that way mm-hmm. not in um, that way exactly i love certain aspects of geometry but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not one of them. okay so i've got snuffin open now for those of you who are listening, that's uh, Michael Osiris Snuffin's The Thoth Companion, which is a great sort of introduction to all of the imagery in The Thoth. 
Um, the head of the caduceus is a winged phallus. There's that word again. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, forming, as you said, a vertical lemnus skate, uh, which according to him, signifies omniscience. Okay. Um, and it's got the descending dove on it, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. I think we have dove and serpent again. Yes, we do. So the dove again uh, descending from the divine down into matter and the serpent uh, cl- climbing up the tree of life. Right, because this is another card that's coming out of Kether. So that's right. the similar reference. Right, right. The, speaking of which, we have... Um, so this is from Keter to Bina, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas there's usually, this is, this is different from elsewhere in the tree, because usually when we're going down the tree, we kind of go from right to left, uh, you know, stepwise. But in this case, we go right, left, and then middle down the tree to, when we get to the high priestess. So the paths are kind of different up on the supernals. And I, I just saw this, which I didn't notice before in Snuffin, which says that the serpent on the left uh, has the throne-shaped headdress of Isis, which is associated with Bina, and the one on the right has a simple crown uh, symbolic uh, so, of Keter. Yeah, the path. Yeah. Right, so that's a that's a reference to the path. Hard to see, but... Sort I, of hard I to see. see. can kind of see that. Yeah, you Isis might be able to see it better there. on the actual yeah, card there. Yeah, oh yeah, you can see there, the little seat... Yeah, yeah. And both um, both maguses, both magicians in the Rider-Waite-Smith and in the Toth deck are kind of holding their arms in the same position, um, as you were saying, indicating the path if, you're, if you put yourself in the position of the magus. I kind of, we were talking about, you know, that shape at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like perhaps the dark area... You know, the, it reminds me of the the black is the color of Bina. It's mm-hmm. not exactly black there. It's mm-hmm. just dark. It's dark, but, but I think sure. it's almost an opening, and this is it the looks balanced like it. on the wand, and it's pushing up this like web of light. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in a different way, it looks solid. But I actually, the more I look at it, the more it seems like. It's negative space. Yeah, it does. I mean, and Bina is, you know, the great dark sea, right? And when you look at it mm-hmm. from above like this, it might look like that. But when we look at lower down cards on the tree, we sometimes look up at Bina and there are stars in the great dark sea. And then if you look at his feet there, uh, mm-hmm. balancing on it, you see the uh, sandal strap, which is the Egyptian Ankh. Oh, I thought another... it was more snakes. <laughs> it, it is snakes, oh, but they're uh-huh. in the shape of that, that sandal strap shape with the with kind of like the toe loop. Oh, yes, it's said sure to it be is. The, the shape of the Ankh, which is a reference to uh, to go. Mm-hmm. Right, because we have the 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 four powers um, to will, to dare, to know, and to keep silent, and to go. Thus to mm-hmm. go. Thus to go. Mm-hmm. Good. Right. So, um, since we've been talking Kabbalah, uh, we should mention that the Hebrew letter associated with this path with Mercury is Bet. Bet, that's right, meaning house. Um, And I just want to, even though we're focusing on these two cards, I just want to mention that neither of them has a reference to house, but your deck does. And that's one of the things that 
I love about it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically thinking of the, the Magus and the Tabula Mundi, where you have a DJ in the house, literally. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my little joke. <laughs> Trickster. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I, I sometimes look at the, at the thought, the image, and think, couldn't you have put a, you know, some kind of house reference in there somewhere? But no, it is the house of the spirit only. Um, Beth, again, is not a mother letter, but a double letter. So um, now... The double letters all being planetary. Planets, exactly. And they are, um, in the Sefer Yetzira, they are associated with these binaries, these polarities. Um, You know, I I don't know if you know these, but, you Mm -hmm. know, life and death, wisdom and folly, Mm -hmm. grace and indignity. And this one in particular is associated with, um, with life and death. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It makes me think of, you know, the the path there from Kether to Bina being from white to black. Yes. Yes. Mhm. And I've also seen the roses and lilies in Rider Waite Smith referred to as a reference to life and death as well. The the lilies mm. being sort of representing sort of a funeral death aspect and the roses yeah, being Yeah, so they maybe in that mm-hmm. that card they're kind of the stand-in for the Bina. Mhm. Mm. Now with the double letters, the idea was I guess that they can be pronounced hard and soft. Um, so the B has sort of like a, a harder B and a softer B. And I, I don't really know if that's used in modern Hebrew so much. I My impression was that it's not, but uh, but that historically that's an important... I can barely pronounce English <laughs> words. <laughs> but that's uh, the fact that it's a double letter, you know, uh, is historically and, and mystically significant. The fact that there are seven of them that go with the seven planets is also significant. And in other versions of the tree, like the Luria version of the tree, they sort of foreground that difference between the mother letters, the double letters, and the single letters much more than the tree we use for the Golden Dawn does. Right. So, you know, you have... Uh, the three horizontals are mother letters. The um, right, the uh, the upright diagonals are the exactly signs exactly. But we can't go there because it doesn't really correspond to <laughs> these no. arrows. No, and but you know what we. But it is interesting. It is interesting, and you know, I, I've I've gotten into various arguments with people about which tree you know is is the more important. But uh, for the purposes of Rider Wade Smith and Crowley out of the Golden Dawn tradition, we use this particular tree and it is you know perhaps not always intellectually as grounded as some of the uh trees and paths that come out more closely out of the you know judaic mystical tradition however it is the basis of western ceremonial magic uh it has a validity of its own and it has it has thousands of practitioners to power it if you know, if you subscribe to the idea that belief is the battery, you know, of magic. So, um, so that's the rationale, which I kind of wanted to just go through because we didn't mention that in our first podcast. I just wanted to emphasize that although, you know, all systems are valid, whatever investment you make, you know, powers your practice, this is the one we're focusing on for this, for the purposes of our discussion, um, what else do we see in here that's Kabbalah-based? Well, more about the the paths. You know, you, if you look at the tree, this path is the opposite of the the path of the fool. You know, they're each on mm-hmm. one side of the uh, tree. 
and they're very much counterparts in almost you know two aspects of the same thing or very much related to each other where the fool is the indrawn breath the magus the magus mm-hmm. is the word or the uh, outflow of breath um mm-hmm. that the word of power that causes creation and the fool's path from keter to chokma takes you to the pillar of force which gives you that indrawn breath of power and then the the keter to bina takes you to the pillar of form where things become manifest yes mm-hmm. and the form of the word in this case Maybe should we go on to color? Are you ready to go on sure. to color? Okay, let's color. talk about color. So yeah, so so let's go through. Um, it's a good transition to go from uh, tree of life to color because we have four colors in the four world scales: king, queen, prince, princess, which are respectively. Can you do the party trick where you do it by yeah, memory? Let's see, um, <laughs> I can do yellow is the king scale, and mm-hmm. then we have. Um, Purple and gray and uh, indigo, rayed or flecked violet. Man, you are sick. <laughs> totally, totally. That's that's I just exactly what it a is. New one of him <laughs> yesterday. So, but yeah, I, I I know those. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we see the yellow and gray in his skin, which you know you would think would lead to kind of a sickly effect, but in fact just makes him look gilded. Yeah, and the yellow, as we were saying before. Um, we saw it in the fool, but, you know, um, blended with the light of Keter. So it was a bright pale yellow in the fool. And here it's just straight ahead yellow, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the indigo rayed violet? I guess that's the background of the yeah, card, Yeah, the background. Right? I, I would say that dark indigo around where the objects he's juggling show up with some of those rays are mm-hmm. a violety in right here. Yeah. The violet rays kind of passing through that... Um, indigo background and whereas the writer wade smith really just picks up on the yellow yeah i don't know if they could print purple back then oh good point good point i'm trying to think well there's purple on the lover's card right so yeah yeah he's got a purple like garment it's not it's sort of a movie well it's gray it's gray gray. purple (laughs) really it's not a righteous violet (laughs) <laughs> well yeah that's the thing Waits card doesn't mm-hmm. have the gray he doesn't have the purple mm-hmm. the only color he has that's on the scale is is the um the white really look there's some lavender well, on the page of Kether. he doesn't even have you know white isn't part of the scale but he's mm-hmm. got the yellow and he's got white for Kether, which is the, mm-hmm. the sephra above mm-hmm. not necessarily well i think also in writer weight for when we you know, when we look at red and white, especially when they're mm. presented together like that, it's almost its own thing. Yeah, you know, there's right? that alchemical aspect of the red and the white. Yes. You know, the 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 red, male and the, the female, red lion and the the white eagle. And mm-hmm. there's also the the trinity of red, white, and black. You know, the maiden, mother, and crone. Now here, mm. you don't really see the black so much, but mm-hmm. again, it makes me think of Bina. You know the. Mm-hmm. That's on the path there. Right. And I've also heard the red described as, um, you know, as carnality, as life, as passion, whereas the white is the purity of intent. And you can see that the, the, the magician in Rider Wade Smith is clothed in white, but he has the, you know, the color of life draped all over him, you know, acting on yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing about those roses and lilies is the the Song of Songs, the quote, I am the Rose of Sharon and I am the Lily of the Valley. And there's also another alchemical uh, 
illustration, I think it's in Michael Mayer's um, series, where you see two vessels and one is kind of like pouring this smoke into the other and they form a vesica Pisces Mm -hmm. in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, I don't know, it just reminds, it reminds me of that. It's the sun and the moon, you know, the lunar and the solar. Yes. The white being lunar and the red being solar and then that creation between them. Mm Mm-hmm thinking of the roses because in that illustration there's that vesica pisces mm-hmm. and in the center of it you see a, a blooming uh rose mm-hmm. or several i think gotcha. it's five blooming roses or something gotcha. but now in the toth deck we have sort of a reference to the blending of male and female and the fact that this is a hermaphrodite which is literally hermes plus aphrodite right and uh you know in his the idea i think you know is that his the secondary sexual characteristics have not fully emerged yet since he's above <laughs> above the abyss. And yet he's also the first emanation of the masculine, which right. is, you know, it's the right. fool splitting into masculine and feminine as mm-hmm. you have the magus and the priestess. Mm. But because he's above the abyss um, mm-hmm. and he doesn't pass below, perhaps that masculinity is mm-hmm. not fully formed. Right, because you know, if it was, we'd be seeing that all over this card. <laughs> Thank you, Alistair Crowley. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, something that I some people have sometimes noticed is that, you know, on the Rider-Waite-Smith, there's this very clear infinity lemniscate over his head. And, but another way to think of that is as the number eight, as a numeric reference. And, of course, eight is the number of... Mercury. That's right, the eighth Sephira. Uh, is uh, corresponds to Mercury way further down on the tree, but um, it could be a reference to the Sephira Hode. Um, also, I don't know if you have gotten into this on your on your on your worksheet there, but there are eight tools he's juggling. Ah, yes, yes, right. And not just the four, not just the four suit symbols, but is that an eight pointed star or a 10 pointed star Ooh, it on, might the, be. on the coin um it, uh, it might be 10 one two three four five no it's eight ah there you go yeah there you go so that could be a mercury sephira reference another, too yeah, mercury reference the eight pointed star mm-hmm. so what do we have besides you know wand cup we've got the stylus and the scroll mm-hmm. for mercury in writing and mm-hmm. we've got the uh the phoenix wand there mm-hmm. with that uh, animal-headed. Yes. What does that there. represent? Well, resurrection, I would think, being mm-hmm. a phoenix-headed wand. Is that the one they call the wand of double power? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's one way of putting it. Yeah, because, you know, single power is mm-hmm. not enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot there to look into, the wand right. of double power. I mean, that's right. the weapon of horror, the we- one of, well, his weapon's also the sword, but the double wand of power refers to his dual nature as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got you. And then you've got that thing that looks very much like the swirly Dairy Queen ice cream cone that I used to (laughs) love as a child, but I think is a sensor. Yes, that's a sensor. So that's actually, um, maybe we should just sort of go go through this uh, since our listeners are not seeing the same thing we are. Why don't we start from the 
lower left and sort of go clockwise. So lower left is the coin, right? Yep, so that's our pentacle with the, with the eight pointed star. star. And it has a bunch of dots around it that I don't know if you can... If are you, we going to are, count I'm, them? <laughs> I, I tried to count them, but it, it was just on this uh, thing, which wasn't very easy and I, get, I would love I get. to say that there are 19, in which, which case would be a reference to the sun, but um, they're, yeah. without a magnifying glass, it's very I mean, difficult to count them. I can count uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 distinct points. However, that line obscures the right. bottom if, ones. If, if, you, if you put points where they all should be so it's symmetrical, you could get 19. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> We'll, so, s- we'll say that for now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there you have it. Um, the the coin um, representing, so yeah, the sun, but also, but also the suit of coins. Uh, then you have the censer, which is interesting because that is in place of a wand. That's fire. Right. That's um, so where we have the pentacle or the coin for Earth. This is. But then there's wand. the phoenix wand, and there's then the we fact have a wand. The wand. Mercury in this card. Is, is a wand. wand. I guess himself. you thought there were just way too many wands, which is surprising because well, can you ever have too many wands? But yeah, so so then you have the the, the phoenix wand, as you said. Uh, then okay, stylus is up in the air above that. It's a little hard to see, right? So yep. that's the thing that goes with the scroll on the other side, right? And that must be, as you said, a reference to God to of writing. writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he well, he basically invented all writing and sciences and knowledge disciplines Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we have ah, our first appearance of the winged egg Mm -hmm. one of many that's our sixth object so what do you want to say about the winged egg i think the winged egg is kind of a reference to the fool where in the fool card we had a reference to mercury with the caduceus and the winged disc mm-hmm. here in almost the same position of the, on the card we have the the winged egg if you look at the two cards it's almost in the exact oh, is that same true? place so i think they're mm-hmm. referencing each other that winged egg is a reference to the fool and you know the, mm. the egg of spirit that all things come from yes yes isn't that the egg that fanny's light bringer hatches yes. from something yes. like that right and it's also you know an alchemical symbol you know related to the whole journey it's the very beginning of this alchemical journey that mm-hmm. we're on although we will we will see this many more times the yes we egg. will meet the egg <laughs> you can never have enough uh <laughs> eggs to make a cosmic omelet <laughs> okay uh the seventh object is the cup Yep. Right. Uh, pretty straightforward. And the eighth object is the dagger, dagger of air, I guess. There we go. Yep. So eight objects, uh, number of eight being Mercury, and and he's he's juggling them like a fool, or, or like a magus, I guess you would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely more skilled at juggling than I am. Oh, God, for sure. Me too. Uh, also, we have the winged sandals of Mercury, um, as and the wing does he have a winged helmet too not in this case i guess no i don't think so in this i mean the 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 serpents on either side almost are wing like kind of refer to that in right. an abstract way i think like the glyph but actually mm-hmm. you know the wings behind his head you'll see the wand has the winged disc but behind those are even a larger set of wings oh yes and they kind of mm-hmm. you know come from almost attached to or come from behind the serpents so i think Mm-hmm. It's kind of a very abstract way of the I guess wing so. helmet in a 
in a way. I see. In, so those those pleats you're seeing up at the top and yeah. then down towards the side as wings, which you could do. I th- I thought it was a reference to fan as the magical weapon of air, mm. which no, it could, could also it, be. It could also be. Well, you know, it's both and when it comes yes. to interpreting <laughs> mystic imagery. Um, let's see what else. Um, We've got oh, the monkey. Yes, Sinocephalus ape or Cunocephalus. Um, Hermanubis. <laughs> Hermanubis. Uh, one of the figures on the Wheel of Fortune, yeah? Yeah, and yeah. so, y- y- which is interesting that you say that because you see he's raising his fist, which yes. is the cough, the, exactly. the letter fist for the wheel. Cough meaning fist. Yep, and so you raising see fist. him on the wheel in, mm-hmm. in, in the position of Mercury. He's the one rising? Yeah. Got you. He's the monkey right. on the. He's kind of on the side there of the and wheel of the wheel card. It's so interesting that that that's the case because you always have, of course, um, an ascending figure. You always have a descending figure, and you know I've seen people interpret the ape-like figure as you know the ape of ambition or the ape that uh, is trying to rise to the top. Um, and the ass on the other side often is like the one, the fool coming down. Gosh, this is so reminiscent of the current political situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but also what's what's interesting about Crowley's uh, conception of the Sinocephalus ape or the ape of thought is that uh, he he talks about him as distorting the word, as it being his job to... Right, to follow the magus and because of the, you know, inherent way that words both in speech and writing can be twisted how they're not totally reliable and it's the ape's job to remind him of the fact that there's just distortion inherent in everything you say and Mm -hmm. things get lost in translation basically yes and that's really interesting because you know uh i I heard on somebody's podcast the other day, it was probably Rune Soup, and I was trying to find the myth- mythological origins of the story, but I couldn't. Um, well, in Egypt, the, mm-hmm. the ape was a companion of, of Thoth. Right. But right. It, he was more helpful. Yes. He was kind yes. of a companion, and um, I think he helped in the Hall of Judgment with the weighing of the heart mm-hmm. ceremony. So he was he was a little more more helpful but i suppose you could look at it being reminded of the distortion might be more helpful than threatening if you look at it that way well one of the cosmology that i'm thinking of and i wish i could remember what it was from you know there's it's there's a discussion between the gods and the god of magic or language whichever it was the Mercury figure says, I've invented this, you know, super nifty thing that, you know, will allow people to remember things. It's writing, it's magic, it's it's great. This is the greatest gift I have for humankind. And, you know, the older gods say, that's a terrible idea. They'll never, they'll never know the truth anymore. You know, they'll never experience direct knowledge anymore. They'll become stupid. It's kind of like what happened with cell phones and <laughs> remembering phone numbers. That's right. That's right. You know, it's sort of like now that we have access to all knowledge ever, why have any of it in our heads? <laughs> but I think it's so interesting because, you know, words inevitably distort. We can't, we can't purely connect with, you know, archetypal knowledge when we have the word to mediate. And I think that's what that story is about. And also maybe that's what, you know, that figure is about as well. Yeah. I mean, and what is hermeneutics, but the art of interpretation. Right. 
Right. Okay. Um, it almost sounds like Hermanubis. Yes. Hermanubis. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it's, he's supposed to have a dog head. He's supposed to be a, an ape with a dog head. It's kind of hard to see in the picture. Yeah, but, he looks um, like an ape with an ape head to me. <laughs> but okay. Yeah, I guess he has sort of a, he has sort of a, a pointed muzzle a little bit going on there. You know, we should also talk a little bit about um, the numerology of the card specifically. Um, uh, we've we've talked about the fool as the zero and the um, and the magician or magus as the one, but um, but that fist reference of the kinocephalus ape. What would you like to say about that? Well, that relates to the wheel card, which is card ten. And if you look at ten, it's not only a one and a zero perhaps bringing back both the fool and the magus, but it reduces to one. So there's definitely, you know, a correlation between those two cards, as was seen in the symbolism. Mm-hmm. And we also have the sun card, number 19, the one and the nine, mm-hmm. adding to 10, reducing to one. And the sun has that correlation with Mercury as, you know, their partners. The, their Mercury partners. is the closest uh, planet mm-hmm. to the sun and kind of, Runs around him like the the little dog. Um, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the sun's little dog. Yes, exactly. So so there's a this intimate connection between the nineteen, the zero, the one, the, and 10. the ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, let's see. Okay, so other archetypes of Mercury, we should just maybe go over them for people, since I know Crowley was aware of we, them. You know, the whole going back to the uh, the shape of the glyph and the winged helmet. You know, you see the the horns on the circular part of the glyph, referencing the winged helmet, referencing almost like antennae. Mm-hmm. You know, where nice. he's both transmits and receives. So it's yes. the active and the passive. You know, like I think you mentioned the the lightning rod. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. he he both transmits that lightning and receives it from above. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the weird thing about electricity; it doesn't come unless you have the structure to receive it. <laughs> right. So he's yeah. he's like a living antenna. He is the embodiment of the current. Yeah, and uh, as other 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 gods. Um, Odin, yeah, right, right. Odin. Thoth himself, Loki, maybe Hanuman. Odin uh, with his uh, twin companions, either wolves or ravens, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. brings back in uh, the dog there and the the dog headed ape mm-hmm. and the the ravens. That's interesting because the the names of Odin's ravens are. Hujin and Munin, uh, thought mm-hmm. and memory. Ah, right. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And uh, for those who are uh, linguistic nerds, you remember that, of course, um, Wednesday is Odin's day, which is why Wednesday is Mercury's day. And you also see that in all the Romance languages that Mercury's day is Mercredi in French and uh, uh, Miércoles in Spanish. So, uh, so that so that is reflected in the very names of the week. Also, mm-hmm. another uh, archetype of Mercury is Prometheus, right? You know, right. bringing down the fire of heaven um, in a pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it wasn't it was a pine a, cone. Yeah, Stock of burning, fennel, yeah, burning a branch of some sort. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Which you know, if you if you think about it. 
it just it wouldn't work <laughs> fennel no not so much <laughs> but it's a really nice idea and that is you know one reason that fennel is associated with mercury with this archetype so one uh thing on the the weight card that is kind of a mystery at least to me you see on the edge of the table there there are these squiggles one of them clearly is that dove of uh, spirit. It's ascending rather than descending. Oh, you're descending. right. You're right. And on the left is what looks like mountains or mm-hmm. water. That middle one, I really can't tell what it is. I can't um, either. But I think that the fact that there's three of them and one of them is, a, is an ascending dove and uh, the other one is mountains, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It almost looks... Uh, it, so I think of things that occur in threes, such as mind, body, and spirit, or sure. or the three elements, or the sulfur and mercury of you know the three alchemical elements. But uh, for the life of me, I can't really tell what that central symbol yeah, is. Yeah, and I don't believe I've ever seen anyone... Um, uh, try to explain what it is, although, you know... I think no one can tell what it is. No one can tell. It's I mean, very difficult. Yeah, it probably was just like a slip of the pen or something. <laughs> I mean, honestly... I mean, it could be a boat. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you try to think of, okay, what would be for the three elements, you do have mm-hmm. one there that could be water. You do have, you know, perhaps fire or sulfur but i don't know it's very hard to tell what that is but it's definitely a triplicate kind of force maybe because of weights you know christian uh the way he brought in the christian mythologies all the time the the father son and holy ghost even with the with the double spirit there or something right right or uh or perhaps it's an elemental reference in some way although mm, hard to say i mean it Right. Those could be mountains, it, it could be a glyph for air. It could be water. It mm-hmm. could be a glyph of water or mountains. And, mm-hmm. you know, the dove could be air or spirit. It's hard to say. But that central one, if we knew what the central one was, then it would, we'd it, know. We'd kind of get the three. Which <laughs> well, three he's referring to, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Listeners, if you know what that middle picture is on the edge of the table in the Rider Waite Smith magician, do write us and let us know what you think. Um, because symbols belong to everybody and it bothers us when we don't know. <laughs> One thing that I think is curious is that you have the double-headed the the double wand in the in the um hand of the magician which is different from the elemental wand that's on the table representing mm-hmm. the suit symbol. And I, I don't really know why they do that. I I'm sure that there is a reason. Yeah, I I mean I think in that card it's really bringing home the point that the double-headed wand is a channel. It's kind of the way Crowley mm-hmm. makes the mm-hmm. magus the wand. He's referencing mm-hmm. the, that that duality, that pole, you know, where there's the active and passive, the negative and positive in that, in that channel that's right. happening. Right, right. As opposed to strictly the, the tool of fire, elemental fire on mm-hmm. the table. So he has all those four elements at his command in front of him mm-hmm. and yet he's he is the wand and, and yet he is the channel. wand right what about the headband what do you know about that <laughs> <laughs> very 80s very, very 80s, 80s. Or 80s. <laughs> <laughs> all the rage in 1909 i don't know i mean i i assume that that's a some kind of um 
Yeah, reference to reference the head, to the head, to thought, to kether. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mm-hmm. crown. I guess. Yeah, white brilliance. Right in my brain. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Um, so I think now's a good time for me to pull out my uh, my my perfume. Um, yeah, I didn't have any mastic because that that's one of the perfumes associated with um, with mercury. But I did have some styrax. And that's another. So um, Styrax is a, a little bit like vanilla. It's one of those ancient resins. Um, mm. And basically, you know... Yeah, it's kind of vanilla-y. There's a whole lot of just ancient resins that are used for fragrances. And, you know, whether it's Peru balsam or benzoin, which is also confusingly a Styrax, um, a different species of Styrax altogether. Um, labdanum is also another resin and they're all they all have different sort of sticky vanilla qualities and when you take them all together you get what is known as an amber an amber perfume that's the base of it but um but styrax in particular is associated with mercury and uh the other one that i've seen a lot is frankincense which is kind of associated with all of the gods. I think of it as the sun, but maybe yeah. that's, the, again, another Mercury sun for sun sure. Connection. Sun for sure. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you can basically use frankincense for anybody. Nobody hates it. <laughs> they all come, come, like, frankincense seems to be like god bait. <laughs> but, um, oh, and, uh, and I'll just do this real quick. The musical note is once again, E flat, no, sorry, E natural, E natural because it's yellow, it's that simple, <laughs> just like it was in um, in The Fool. And it's, it's sort of annoying that they have the same note, but, you know, there are only 13 notes and there are 22 majors, so we're going to have some redundancy, sorry. Well, it just shows their connection and they are kind of like an aspect of each other, the same 12 notes sorry Mm -hmm. yes exactly they are related they are aspects of each other and um and hence it makes sense that they have the same note um i mean there are there are other natural references that go with uh the magician that are might be worth referencing but they tend to be um plants that have I guess this is the doctrine of signatures. They tend to be plants with airy parts, like carrot family plants, dill, fennel, um, coriander, stuff that sticks up in the air and has an umbrella, mm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yarrow? Uh, probably, probably. Mm. Plus yarrow, you know. Yarrow always smells like it's carrot family to and, me. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, associated with divination through the I Ching, of course. Did I tell you that I tried to grow yarrow last year? <laughs> <laughs> this was you had to try i had it's to taking try. over my, uh, my yard really yeah. are you serious would yeah. you dry some sure okay and then cut it into 17 pieces or however i don't know how many pieces you want you some eat ching sticks yes. while you're at it that's what i'm yeah. saying that's what i'm saying yeah no i i i you know i who knows maybe it i have it wild in my... all on the side of the road too right very common right i have the, I have the colored kind because it's ornamental but it's pink the pink uh, yellow it's mm-hmm. yellow actually. yeah mercury yeah. Yellow for mercury. All right. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I hope you'll cut some of it. Um, I will. I've also seen um, nutmeg and cloves, sort of spicy things associated with with mercury. Um, I guess because of their stinginess and speed of uh, sort of uh, penetration. (laughs) Uh, Lavender also is historically associated with mercury. Um, 
and whenever I smell lavender, it's just there's a there's a sharpness and clarity to it that that always seems to go with mercurial things. Okay, um, anything else we want to mention? And lavender the color is in the card. Lavender the color is in the card. That's right. Sort of. Absolutely. Violet. Purple. Kind of violet. That's right. Oh, it's That's indigo, right. raid, lavender-y. Oh, right. Raid, yeah. raid, val- raid violet. So yeah. it's purple in the in the queen scale, and there's indigo, raid, violet in right. in the princess scale. Which is kind scale. of a lavender-y violet mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. case. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for playing along, and we will be back with the High Priestess next time. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, no apostrophe, where you will also find new episode announcements and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. While you're there, consider becoming a subscriber to enjoy extra fortunes wheelhouse features and enter to win in our giveaways. If you subscribe at a dollar an episode, you'll see patron-only behind-the-scenes posts and get early access to all Fortune's Wheelhouse episodes. At $2 an episode, you get all that, plus you can send in your questions about esoteric tarot and get them answered on the show or its website. At $3 an episode, all that, plus you get access to the exclusive Tarot Music Project, a set of 78 Spotify playlists keyed to each card, which you can listen to and add to if you like. At $5 an episode, you get the Fortune's Wheelhouse Oracle, where we send you a one-card answer to your question with preloaded esoteric facts to help you interpret its meaning. And at the $10 episode level, we'll not only draw the card for you, but offer you a personalized interpretation of its esoteric influences in regard to your situation. And if that's not enough, at the $3 level and higher, you'll be entered to win in our giveaway drawings. Because both Mel and I aren't just esoterics nerds, we also make stuff like tarot cases, tarot prints, actual decks, esoteric perfumes. Trust me, we've got some amazing merch, and you won't want to miss out. Finally, we also have a major campaign goal. If enough of you come on board and we reach $418 per episode, we will commit to continuing Fortune's Wheelhouse straight through the minor arcana. Yep, we'll do the whole tarot deck. So do join us and become a part of the Wheelhouse community, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support. That's www.patreon.com slash fortuneswheelhouse. Wheelhouse. 